0: The reading this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 to 16, and is on page 75 in the Church Pew Bible. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, travelling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. And speak to God.
1: Well, good morning. I wonder if um, you can remember some of the names of God we've looked at over the last 11 weeks. We're going to start the test and see how we get on. Now, I must admit that Quakers Road congregation did struggle a little bit with this, but I'm expecting greater things of you. So, over the last 11 uh, Sunday mornings, we've been looking at some of the names of God from Scripture. So, who can remember any of those? Now, I did help them out at uh, Quakers Road, where we sung The Lord is My Shepherd immediately before (laughs) Um, I preached, so um, I'm not going to do that here, but um, that's a clue of one of them. (laughs) Any ideas as to the names of God we've looked at in the last 11 weeks? Shout them out. Adonai. Adonai. Yahweh, right at the very beginning, yes. Rapha, God who heals, Jehovah Rapha, yeah. El Shaddai, I'm impressed, God Almighty, I missed one over there. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, God who provides. Sorry? Elroy. El Roy, indeed. The Lord's my shepherd. Yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got less than about two, I think Joe and I would have needed a bit of a conversation about the value of preaching and whether anything we say ever gets, uh, gets remembered. But we've looked at some of the names. We started Yahweh, Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, Jehovah Jireh, God who provides, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Jehovah Rapha, God who heals, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, Christine Froud came and preached to us about the God who calls, El Roy, the Lord who sees, Adonai, Lord and Master, El Elyon, God most high, and this week, the last in the series, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. And in these uh, few weeks, we've sought to enlarge the picture of our sense of who God is. And of course, words are just completely inadequate for that, but that's what we've got. We've reflected on who God is and on our response to who he is. We have spent quite a bit of time in the uh, Old Testament where some of these names first appear, where these descriptions of God express something of Uh, the community's understanding of him. But we've also seen how these things have been worked out in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so this morning, drawing it all together, the Lord my banner. Not really a, a name of God, but a description of his rule, a description used by Moses as he built that altar and said, the Lord is my banner. I just want us to think for a few minutes about the the symbolism and the significance of a banner or a flag. And to do that, to take you back to this summer and the Olympics in Rio. Now, it does seem a very long time ago when you're coming out on a cold morning and uh, dodging the showers. But if you think back to the opening ceremony of the Rio Olympics, and every Olympics, the athletes come into the stadium, and there's about 200 nations represented And they come in behind a sort of name card with the name of their country. And then there's a flag, the flag of their particular nation. And it's a tremendous spectacle as all of these teams of athletes are parading around the stadium under their flag. And then as the Olympics progress, you get the gold medal ceremonies. And the three athletes who've claimed the gold, the silver and the bronze medals, they stand on a podium and they're given a a posy of flowers, or I think this summer it was some obscure replica of a a model. And the national anthem is played as a flag is raised, the winning flag is, is raised high in the air. And on our TV screens we had the images of the athlete, the gold medal winning athlete, standing on the podium, standing tall and proud, often with a tear in their eye, as the anthem was played, and the banner or flag was raised. What is the significance of a flag or banner? Well maybe you'd want to imagine an army going out to battle, particularly as we see in some of the uh, old war films, films of the cavalry, with a standard unfurled before them to charge off into battle. What does that flag say to us? Well I guess a flag says something about identity, It says we belong to this nation, we belong to this people group. It says something about our allegiance and the fact that we're unified under that particular banner. It says something about history, the fact that we're part of the ongoing story of a nation's life in continuity with what has gone before. It's also something of a rallying point in that it symbolises some of the past victories and calls people together With shared values. Sometimes, of course, sadly, it can also speak of more dubious and more divisive agendas. That's what the banner or the flag can mean to us today. So, why does Moses build an altar and call it, The Lord is my banner? Well, I think it speaks again of identity, history, and the rallying point. It speaks of the identity of God's people, a dispirited bunch at this stage not long since escaped from the slavery of Egypt and being led on a magical mystery tour by Moses through the desert. But the magic has begun to wear off, and they're moaning and they're grumbling. And then in this particular chapter of Exodus, they've been ambushed by the Amalekites, but God has proved faithful and has granted them victory. It's a sign of their history. It's yet another illustration of God's leading and of God's provision for them. And it's a rallying point, calling them to keep trusting and to move forward with confidence in God. Now, some banners mean more than others. I, um, with permission, stole this off uh, the wall in my oldest son's room this morning or last night. And uh, it's a very historic flag, this one, because uh, the particular team it represents, Bristol City, of course, um, don't get to Wembley very often, but it was produced for the uh, journey to the uh, championship playoff final uh, a few years ago. I imagine Adrian was there, amongst others. Now, a football team allegiance, it can mean all sorts of different things. You could be a totally committed, passionate supporter of your team, under this banner under this flag you could have a season ticket you could go to every home game and every away game you could spend hours each day on the club website, on Twitter on its Facebook page seeing exactly what is going on you might know the favorite bands and uh, pop stars of, of the players You might be fully up to speed as soon as they sign a new player, you know all of his history and everything that he's done in the past, his goal scoring record, etc. You could be that sort of fan, totally fanatical. But I call myself a fan of Bristol City, but I've only been to see them once this season. I do occasionally have a look at the website. I know we lost yesterday, I'm still a fan. And then there are some who would claim to be a, a fan who have even less allegiance than I have. They perhaps live in a different part of the country who can't get to any games, but still it's the first result they look out for. There's an expression of allegiance that can be on different levels. Maybe there's a different type of allegiance if we step up a level and think of our allegiance to a nation. As a British citizen... Maybe the expectations have greater consequence. We're expected to adhere to the rule of law. We might, if we're coming into this country, have to undertake a citizenship test. In our schools, there's a strong emphasis on British values, which, according to Ofsted, are democracy, the rule of law, individual liberty and a mutual respect for and tolerance of those of different faiths and beliefs and for those without faith. And if we fail to respect these values, if we put ourselves outside of what's deemed acceptable, in some circumstances there are consequences. But what if we step up another level? If the Lord is my banner, surely we have an even greater responsibility. It's about much more than an association or a sense of belonging. It has implications for the whole of our lives. Moses' altar was a reminder of the need for people to keep trusting God and to continually live under his rule. That would mean depending on him at all times, when life was going swimmingly and also when life stunk. So, where is our identity and our allegiance when life is tough? There's some tough things going on in my life at the moment. And I've got choices as to how I respond to them. And I'm not prepared for God to be Lord and Sovereign purely in name alone. I'm committed to putting him first in reality. And that means that each day as I wake up in the morning, I'm praying, Lord, you are sovereign today. May my words, my actions, my attitudes, my behaviours Reflect your sovereignty in my life. Help me to honour you in every situation, whatever it might cost. Because the Lord is my banner. Sometimes I can manage that on my own with God. At other times I need the support of others, just as Moses needed Aaron and Hur to hold up his hands, his arms in prayer when his strength was failing and he could do it no more. Others came alongside and supported and encouraged and enabled. And what a privilege it is to have great friends around you in times of challenge. There's an even bigger challenge for those who are part of the persecuted church, the suffering church across the world, having to work out what it means to proclaim that the Lord is my banner, to keep trusting, to remain faithful and to bear the pain of persecution for Christ. And for them, as for us, the equivalent of Moses' altar as a symbol of God's enduring love for us and faithfulness is hidden behind this screen. It's the empty cross. The empty cross which reminds us of God's suffering in Christ. sacrifice, his ultimate victory. A symbol that gives us hope and perspective in the times of challenge. And as we reflect on the challenge for persecuted Christians today, and and do join us if you're able to later on this afternoon at three o'clock at Glendale, we have an opportunity, don't we, to hold them up in prayer from a distance. So here's the question as we go into a new week. How might we express in our words and actions, in our attitudes and behaviors, that the Lord is indeed our banner, that we owe Him our full allegiance, and that it's Him we want to honour in all things? I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes just for a few moments. And just to think about the week ahead, to hold your diary, your relationships, the particular challenges you might be facing in the workplace, in the community, in the home, your hopes, your fears, just to hold some aspect of those things in your mind. And over all of those things, however painful they might be, however challenging, are you prepared to say and to demonstrate that the Lord is your banner? Will you trust him in those things this week and in the weeks ahead? And if you feel you've been trying to do that for quite some time and your arms are actually tired in terms of coming to God in prayer and seeking to honour him in all things, just ask yourself, who will be your Aaron and her? Who are those people you can turn to who will offer you support and prayer? It may be you've got those friends in the wider community, it may be that you just really value someone to come alongside you and pray with you today. And do take that opportunity at the end of the service. Lord, we hold before you all of the challenges of life. All of the joys we celebrate. All of the struggles that cause us pain. And we pray, Lord God, that by your Spirit, you will enable us to put you first and to proclaim in our words and actions, attitudes and behaviours, that you are indeed our banner. Help us, we pray, Lord God, and help us to be encouragers of one another in that quest to live life in your way in your time. In Jesus' name, Amen.